morning. I also want to thank my senior pastor, uh, Brother Manley. Uh, I am a local pastor here at Hot Springs Baptist Church. And uh, I want to thank him because he shares the vision with your pastor, Brother Eric Capace, of seeing churches come together because two are better than one for they have a good return for their work, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And it's just great to see churches coming together in this community, praying for one another. I noticed in your bulletin how you pray for other churches and other pastors. And I want to say thank you. What an incredible church. Hello, Balcony. I guess I need to look up there, uh, this service. Um, But anyway, um, God bless y'all, and I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. Um, As we go to uh, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5, we're going to be reading a story this morning um, from this passage. But uh, before we get started there, um, I know some of you, or a lot of you, you get a newspaper Uh, You may um, look online at Yahoo News, Fox News, CNN News. You may watch NBC News, ABC News, CBS News. You know, there's a lot of news sources out there. And I can tell you that all that news is usually very uplifting and positive, right? Ha, 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 not. Um, uh, A lot of times... Most of the time, almost all the time, it's usually very negative. It's very uh, bad news. Uh, You know, you've got the international news that focuses a lot about what's going on in Syria, Afghanistan, the wars going on there. There obviously was a bombing at a uh, concert that took many lives and uh, injured a lot of others. And so, you know, there's a lot of bad news going on in the world. But, you know, back here in the United States, you see a lot of different news stories about, um, you know, families that are breaking up, uh, you know, people that have committed some very horrible crimes. And even in our community and in our state, uh, you can go through the newspaper and see all sorts of discouraging news. And I just want to say, we live in, you know, a world that is full of sin, that's full of evil, and we are unfortunately going to have bad news. But don't worry, we will be talking about some good news here in just a little bit. But we do live in a world full of sin and full of evil. Well, guess what? During the time of Jesus, you know, People lived in sin and were under evil influences. And so this morning, if you look in Mark chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 20. As we um, read this uh, God's word, just remember, even during this time, uh, people were lost and in need of, of someone special to touch their lives. In Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, it says, They went across the lake. I'm going to stop right there because I need to define who they are. This is Jesus and his disciples, okay? So they are crossing the Sea of Galilee. They're in what's modern-day Israel today. And so they're in a boat, Jesus and his disciples. And it says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. While Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the towns and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Verse 16. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look in your word now about how your son Jesus transformed this man, I ask that you would help us to learn how you can bring us hope and healing in a world full of sin. Thank you for how you touch us. You transform us. Thank you for how you change us. Convict us now and challenge us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I like it when little children participate because Jesus said, let the little children come. Amen. All right. Well, hey, uh, there are three things that I want you to see about this passage this morning. If you have uh, one of those uh, bulletin guides when you came in, if you'll look inside, there's a place where you can write notes and fill in blanks. So here we go. The first major point I want to talk about concerning this passage is the condition of people without Jesus. All right. First of all, the first little sub point there is that life without Jesus is desperate and helpless. All right. When you look in this passage, you see a man who is hopeless. Uh, he and helpless. Uh, he has a situation that is so bad 
that it is impossible to deal with. Everything else this man has tried has obviously failed miserably. He has very little hope of success. He is very helpless. He's unable to defend himself. Uh, He's by himself, and he cannot act unless someone is able to help him. Let me tell you how desperate and helpless this man is. Look in verse 3. It says that he lived in tombs. I don't know about you, but living in a cemetery full of tombs is probably not the best place for anyone to live. Not only does he live in tombs, but look in verse 5. It says that he was crying out among the tombs. That word crying, when you really um, hone in on that and uh, look at that word in the original language there, uh, it really means to cry out loudly as with an urgent scream or a shriek. It's an inarticulate shout like a raven that's cawing. This man lived among tombs, shouting continuously. And it says in the uh, latter half of verse 5 that he was cutting himself with stones. So this word cutting is the only place in the New Testament where you see this word, and it literally means to gash and to mangle and to cut. So this man is very desperate. He's very helpless because he is without God. And um, this story is a very interesting story because it's also spoken about in the uh, book of Luke and the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8. And Luke chapter 8 gives us a few uh, little more details about this story. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 27, it says, For a long time this man had not worn clothes. And so here is a man who is essentially naked, crying out in fear, gashing himself, calling out uh, with uh, all sorts of sounds, and living in a cemetery amongst tombs. I would have to say this man is very desperate and very helpless. That is the way people are today without Jesus. They are desperate. They are helpless. You know, the question that I need to ask all of you this morning, is there something in your life that is causing you to be very desperate? Is there something that you're very helpless about? Is there a sin that you are struggling with that that Jesus needs to change your life about? You see, this man was desperate and helpless. But not only do I want you to see how he was desperate and helpless, but the second thing I want you to see under the condition uh, of people without Jesus is that life without Jesus is discouraging and harassing. That's the second sub-point there. Um, You know... When you are discouraged and harassed, you know, when someone harasses you, that means people are putting some kind of aggressive pressure or some sort of intimidation upon you. And so we see here in verses 3 and 4 that it says here in the scriptures, in Mark chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, no one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue subdue him. This man was a man who was out of control. Others had tried to intervene in his life, but to no avail. 
You see, his passions were stronger than his ability to control them. No man could change him. He was man sold under the influence of evil in his life. You see, this man was discouraged and harassed. And as we are going to find out a little later, this man is being harassed by a legion of demons that he is possessed by. So this man has a very discouraging and harassing lifestyle. Now, a question we need to ask ourselves today is, uh, you know, what is causing some discouragement or harassment in your life? Um, you know, we live in a world where a lot of people are discouraged. I mean, you just watch the news. You're going to be discouraged. You know, a lot of people are harassed. A lot of people are intimidated. Uh, you know, you see all these different protests. We live in a world where evil and sin is beginning to reign. And so we um, have a lot of uh, sin in our world causing this discouragement. But that life without Jesus, the third thing I want you to see is life without Jesus is depressing and hopeless. That's your third little point there. You know, depression has become a big thing, especially here in the United States. People have this feeling of continuous, miserable dejection and unhappiness. You know, it's this feeling of despair that they're inadequate and incompetent. Look in this passage in verse 5. It says, And always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. I want you to see that the, the phrase, night and day. This torment was continual. That's why he was so hopeless and depressed. Day and night he cried out. Day and night he was in that place of isolation with no clothes. Day and night he was doing his best to injure himself and harm himself. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very pathetic scene that uh, the author, Mark, is painting concerning this man. He has a very lost condition, yet you can tell that he wanted a different life. But he was absolutely powerless to accomplish uh, uh, this by himself. And so it is with people today, even in this community of Hot Springs. You know, people live in the condition of sin, have no hope. They are desperate. They are in despair. They have no help. They are trapped and unable to free themselves. They have become prisoners in their own vices. You know, every day brings with it the more of the same pain and suffering. Uh, these people have no way to free themselves. Every day their torment grows. Every day, just like this man, people in our community are struggling like quicksand, falling deeper and deeper into their pit of isolation, you know, wrestling with all this sin and wretchedness and entrapment. Listen, if something is causing you to be depressed today and hopeless, let me tell you, there is someone that can help you. Because I know I'm painting a very bleak picture. But I want you to understand what the condition of this world is without Jesus. It is a desperate world. It is a helpless world. It is a hopeless world. It is a very discouraged world. A world falling into depression. So that's the bad news. So let me show you the point here. 
underneath this uh, big point, the condition of people without Jesus. Here's the point. Without Jesus, we are desperate, discouraged, depressed, harassed, helpless, and hopeless as we face life situations, circumstances, and difficulties. Just like when someone says, I've got good news and bad news, we always want to hear the bad news first. So I've told you the bad news. This is the bad news. Now let me tell you the good news. And that's your second point, all right? So look in your notes. Here it is. The good news is that Jesus brings change. The change Jesus brings. There are three things I want you to see concerning this point today, all right? First of all, I want you to see that Jesus brings divine change. Let me tell you something. One word from Jesus, one encounter with Jesus transformed this demoniac's life forever. That's what Jesus does. A true encounter with Christ always results in a changed life. Jesus is the one that will make all the difference in this man's life. For you see, this man cannot work his way to salvation. He must allow Jesus to radically change and transform him. And I want you to remember something. This isn't the only person that Jesus transforms by his touch and by his words in Scripture. If you look in John chapter 4, Jesus' divine power restored the sinful and dysfunctional Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 5, Jesus' divine power healed a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals an outcast who was a leper. In John chapter 9, Jesus' touch heals a blind man. You know, he's the one that said, I once was blind, but now I see. In John chapter 11, Jesus' divine power resurrected a man named Lazarus from the dead. In Acts chapter 9, Jesus' divine power completely transformed this man named Saul of Tarsus, who would later become known as the Apostle Paul, who would go on missionary journeys all over, as recorded in the book of Acts, bringing hope to the people in all these different regions, would write half of the New Testament and used by God to transform Uh, people with the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. Jesus' divine power completely transformed and changed a young man's life here in Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1993 when he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he stands before you today proclaiming God's word that Jesus still saves today. Let me tell you something. I find it very humbling to be coming back here to preach because it was in this building that God transformed my life in this room. It was also in this building, sitting up there in the balcony one Sunday night in 1994 when God called me to the gospel ministry. It was in this building, I was thinking about this earlier, where almost 21 years ago I stood right here and got married to that beautiful woman right there. You see, God has changed and transformed my life. He has given me meaning. He's given me purpose. He's given me direction. God's divine change still makes a difference today. So if you are without hope, 
you are helpless, you are desperate, depressed, let me tell you, Jesus is here to change and transform your life if you will let him. But not only was it a divine change, number two, it was a dramatic change. If you look in verses 11 through 14, you see how there's this conversation that ensues between Jesus and this demoniac. All right, And Jesus is not talking necessarily to this man, but to the demons that possess this man. It says um, that um, Jesus says um, here in um, verse 8, you know, Jesus asks this man in verse 9, you know, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion. You know, that word Legion is an interesting word because Legion is a word that means many, many, many are numerous, almost too numerous to count. You've got to remember, during this time, uh, the Roman Empire was in full force. They had conquered most of the known world. And so people would be very familiar with this term legion because in uh, the, the Roman government, they had legions of soldiers dispersed all over the world. And a legion consisted of usually 6,000 soldiers and about 700 or 800, you know, horsemen. So... So that word legion would, would come to represent six to 7,000 uh, people. And so when, when this uh, demoniac or demon says we are legion because we are many, basically he was saying we have a plethora, that's a big word today, or numerous, several of us inhabiting this man. And so I want you to see that even with all these thousands of demons, Jesus is not intimidated, even though he is one man. He is the Son of God. And, you know, he sends these demons into a bunch of pigs. And I think that's very, very interesting for so many reasons. Now, we don't, you know, the Scripture doesn't go into why Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs. But if you, you know, try to look at the passage, you know, again, this is what Shane thinks. No, this isn't scripture, but, you know, I think what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to visually display the demonic purposes. He's trying to show that demons are not imaginary. Jesus is showing that these demons come to destroy. John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus, I think, wants to visually show that the purposes of the demonic are to destroy. They, demons, the demonic influence, want to destroy lives even today. And so we fight a real enemy. But not only does you know, Jesus want to display you know, demonic purposes, but I think Jesus wants to visually display his divine purposes. You see, you know, this visual display of Jesus' sovereign power over demons... I think is another reason he sent these uh, spirits into these pigs. For you see, Jesus has power and authority over the demonic, and this was a visual way for him to display his power and authority. And so I want you to understand something. Salvation is dramatic. I don't know about you, but if we could go back and see Jesus sending demons into 2,000 pigs, these pigs running off a cliff, being drowned into the lake, wouldn't you think that's pretty dramatic? Yeah, I would say so. 
And you know what? That's the way salvation still is today. Anytime salvation occurs, it is dramatic. A life is changed. Hell is robbed of another victim. Death is cheated. Satan loses another battle. God is glorified. There is rejoicing in heaven. A sinner is forever redeemed and changed and made a member of the family of God. That's pretty dramatic. When Jesus moves into a place and starts redeeming sinners... Word is going to get out about it. There are people in this room who have had a dramatic salvation experience. I can tell you, and I'm not going to point out anybody in my family, but God has done some incredible work in my life, in the life of many people in my family. And I got permission from Jeff. My buddy Jeff is in the back. He's in the red shirt back there. You know, I met Jeff about 11, 12 years ago uh, when uh, he walked into our church battling some, some very uh, difficult addictions and sin in his life. And let me tell you, God's changed your life, Jeff, and it's been a dramatic change because Jeff today has been changed by Jesus Christ. He leads a ministry for people with addictions, and he is bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to these folks. Let me tell you, 11, 12 years ago, he was hopeless. He was helpless. He was desperate, but he got a hold of Jesus, and he is a changed man today. Thank you, Jeff, for letting me say that. I'm telling you, Jesus still saves today. You know, and, uh, you know, God's word says, you know, the, the old man is gone Behold, we are a new creation in Christ. And so salvation is dramatic. And so the change Jesus brings is not only divine, it's not only dramatic, but thirdly, it's a definite change. It is a definite change. Uh, You look in um, verse 15 here, it says um, that when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. You see, first of all, this man was calm. This man was at peace. He was just sitting at the feet of Jesus after being healed. Not only was he calm, but he was clothed Because you remember when we talked about earlier, this man was living among tombs and he wasn't dressed. But it says here in scripture he was dressed after he had his encounter with Christ. You see the people, they may have not observed the, um, you know, the change that Jesus brought. Um, They may have not observed him sitting there, but they certainly would have observed him clothed. And he also was very controlled. Because it says that he was in his right mind in Scripture. So Jesus, you know, changes this man. It was a definite change. He was in his right mind. And, you know, let me tell you something. When we are saved, we are saved from grief and pain and sorrow. And I want you to know something. When Jesus saves us from hopeless and depressed in desperate situations, it is a definite change. People will see the work of Jesus in you. So here's the point I want to make under this point where Jesus brings change. Here's the, the, the point. 
Jesus can and will dramatically transform your life if you will come to him and let him. It says in this passage that when this demoniac saw Jesus, did he run away from Jesus? No, it says he ran to Jesus. You see, even though this man was controlled by the demonic, there was enough of this man to realize, I need to come to Jesus. One last point that I want to talk about this morning. You know, we've talked about the condition of people without Jesus. We've talked about the change Jesus brings. But thirdly, I want you to see this morning the commission from Jesus. Now, let me talk about this word commission for just a minute. A commission means when someone who has power and authority authorizes or gives authority to another to perform a certain task or duty. So this commission is when someone is empowered to carry out a certain mission. Jesus gave this man a certain mission after his healing. But before we talk about that, let's talk about the power and authority of Jesus again for just a minute. We have just seen in this passage how Jesus has power and authority over the demonic. But I want you to see in the passage before, we're not going to take time to read it, but in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, the disciples and Jesus, as they were crossing the lake or the Sea of Galilee to get over to where this demoniac was, they encountered a furious storm. Kind of like last night. Did any of you hear the storm last night? Oh, I did. Woke up half my kids. A storm like that came up. Jesus stands in the boat and says, Quiet, be still. And the storm immediately stops. Showing that Jesus has power and authority over creation and storms and difficulties. If you look on the other side of Mark 5, 1 through 20... If you look at um, verses 21 through 43, Jesus encounters a woman that says has an issue of blood for 12 years. When she encounters Christ, what happens? She is immediately healed. She is immediately healed, showing that Jesus has power and authority over disease and illness. And then further along in this passage in Mark chapter 5, Jesus goes to Jairus's house, who is a synagogue ruler. His 12-year-old daughter has died. And what does Jesus do? What does, he, what, what does Jesus uh, do that is miraculous? He raises her from the dead, proving that Jesus has power over death. So within this um, very short uh, 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 chapters, chapters 4 and 5, we see Jesus has power and authority over creation, over difficulties, over storms, the demonic, disease, and death. The Son of God has power and authority. And that power and authority, he wants to give to that man to share something very special to people all around him. It says here in verse 19, uh, Jesus says, Go back home to your own people. Report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on him, 
on, on you. Verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Because Jesus has the power and authority, he has the power and authority to commission us as his people to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you today, I believe Jesus is challenging us to share how much he has done for us. How do we practically and tangibly um, share Jesus and how much he has done for us? Let me give you some very tangible and practical ways you can tell people how much Jesus has done for you individually. How many of you like to eat? All right, amen. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, uh, the sermon online will be next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Most of us like to eat, and we probably will frequent a restaurant occasionally, and especially a restaurant that may have a waiter or waitress that serves you. Man, let me tell you a very tangible and practical way about how you can tell people about Jesus. When, When they come and bring your food, say to that waiter or waitress, hey, we're Christians, and uh, Jesus has changed our lives. We always thank God for our food. Is there anything that we can pray with you about before we eat and pray? Let me tell you, I've had some waiters and waitresses come to tears, and we had a mini revival as we prayed for our food, but we prayed for their situation and how much Jesus has done for us and telling them about that. If you work somewhere, you might have a coworker or a neighbor that, man, you need to share your testimony about how Jesus has given you purpose and meaning and direction in your life. You know, uh, you can give out a Bible, you can give out these gospel tracts to people you encounter at gas stations or, or in the uh, store. Um, you never know how God can use his word. Because his word says his word will not come back empty or void. But I also want to challenge you with something else. When you came in this morning, you got this little program. And inside this program, there's this little piece of paper. If you want to take it out, this would be a good time for you to look at that. Because I'm going to tell you another tangible way that you can share with people how much Jesus has done for you. Um, Uh, Pastor Eric uh, Capace asked me to talk to you about this specifically because uh, this is uh, the sixth year that we're doing this as a community. This started with one church six years ago, but now 12 churches so far have jumped on board this year. It's a thing called Mission Hot Springs. It happens June 18th through the 23rd. And I'm going to tell you, we have 12 churches that are bringing their students, their children, their adults, senior adults, to participate in this, uh, what I'm going to call a short-term mission trip to our Jerusalem, to our backyard of Hot Springs, Arkansas. You'll notice that we have morning opportunities and evening opportunities. In the morning and evenings, uh, you have these different teams. You'll see the first team on your little piece of paper there says service project teams. There are so many different ways you can tell people how much Jesus has done for you. If you are handy, 
you know, if you can fix things, if you like to work with your hands, we got projects where we're cleaning up yards, we're going to smaller churches and to, you know, fix up uh, some things around churches, we're going to go to uh, widows' houses, and we're going to bless them by, you know, building wheelchair ramps, uh, helping change light bulbs, um, you know, mowing grass, raking leaves, whatever it is, if you are handy with a, a hammer or you like physical labor, that is a way you can share the love of Christ. For me, I am not a handyman. Just ask my wife. So if that's not for you, guess what? We have these encourager teams that might be right up your alley. Encourager teams, let me tell you what they did last year. And they're going to be doing a lot of the same things this year. But these morning and evening encourager teams go to different places uh, to encourage folks. So last year, they went to Washita Children's Center, where they loved on the foster kids in this community. They went to Hillcrest Children's Home, ministered to those foster children there in that community. And that is a very uh, special ministry for me, as I have five children of my own. And they're all my children, even though I've adopted some and some I have through birth, or excuse me, my wife had through birth. But anyway, um, but I have five children. They're all mine. So adoption, foster care is very close to my heart. We're going to go bless these organizations that help these folks. Also, we go to laundry mats, feed quarters into laundry machines while people are washing their clothes and drying their clothes. We have a very captive audience when we uh, buy for their laundry and we tell them about Jesus. You know, some other things we do is we go to different recovery facilities and, and cook meals and do devotionals. We go to Samaritan Ministries and help the homeless men down there. If you want to be a part of the Encourager team, I encourage you to sign up for that. Also, on this sheet of paper, we have the evangelism team. Maybe you have the gift of evangelism. This is where we send teams in the morning and evenings, door to door, with Bibles, gospel tracts, and we just engage people in conversation about the good news of Jesus Christ. And we go out in teams of about three, and uh, if it's something you want to do, you, you'll be put with a veteran evangelism person that's done this before. If you want to learn to do that, it is a wonderful ministry. Souls have been saved. A lot of people have come to know Christ through that ministry. We get their follow-up information, and we give all that follow-up information to all the different churches in the area. Um, there is the prayer teams. If you don't want to tell people about Jesus, you don't want to work with your hands, uh, you don't want to encourage people, well, guess what? I bet you you can pray. Amen? So we all have prayer walking teams, teams that will go around the city you know, uh, praying. I mean, I know some people can't walk, so some people do some prayer driving in their air-conditioned cars. And you know what? That's okay, too, because the prayer of uh, the righteous is powerful and effective. That is a very special uh, place you can serve. We have nursing home teams where we are going to hit all 14 nursing home assisted living facilities here in the Hot Springs area. And we're basically going to do a miniature vacation Bible school with, with these uh, elderly folks. And we're going to uh, teach them the stories of Jesus. We're going to do music. We're going to do arts and crafts. We're going to do games. And I'm sure we'll do a little bingo uh, in there somewhere uh, since they like bingo so much. And then we're going to have block party teams in the evenings where we have seven different parks. 
uh, Jonestown Park, Hollywood Park, Wade Park, Optimus Park, Family Park, Baseball Trail Park, where we're going to have inflatables, games, crafts, and we're going to be teaching people about Jesus at these block parties. And we're going to be doing hamburgers and hot dogs. And I'll tell you what, food brings in a crowd, especially when it's free. Amen. There is no cost to anybody. Uh, churches have all partnered together uh, to, to uh, help fund all the different resources. This is a great and tangible and practical way for you to go tell people how much Jesus has done for you. And so I want to challenge you that at the end of the service, if this is something you want to do, put your contact information here, check what team you want to be on, and put it on one of these front pews. If you need to pray about it, think about it, you know, turn it into your church office here, and they'll get it to me. But listen, Jesus commissioned this demoniac man that was cured to go to his home, the Decapolis, which was 10 cities in the, on the east side of the Jordan River, and uh, told people about Jesus. You know what? Here's the point I want to make, and that is this. This is your last uh, note here. We are all called, in fact, we're all commanded by God to share the hope Jesus offers to a hopeless and desperate people. And so let me tell you what's about to happen. We're about to enter a time, what is called an invitation. And during an invitation, this is where you respond to God's challenge or conviction upon your heart. I am not going to assume that everyone in here has surrendered their heart and life to Christ. If you came in this morning helpless, hopeless, and you've never had an encounter with Christ, in just a moment we're going to stand and start singing. And I want to encourage you to leave your pew where you're sitting and come talk to me or one of these other leaders here at this wonderful church and let us tell you how you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ and he will transform you forever. For some of you, you are Christians, but you're living a defeated life. You know, you've got some kind of hurt, habit, or hang-up or sin that, that you need to give to the Lord today. You know, these altars here will be open. The altar in Scripture was a place where things were put to death and sacrificed. Come up here at these altars, kneel at these altars, and pray and tell Jesus, you can have this sin. I die to myself here today. I want to live a new life, a complete life in Christ. For some of you others, uh, you may be feeling God's call to, to be biblically baptized or maybe... God's calling you to ministry or maybe God wants you to be a part of this church. There's people up here that will tell you how you can be a part of this great church. Gospel life. But I'm going to pray. And at the conclusion of this prayer, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. And that is your invitation to come and respond to God's speaking to your heart today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for all these folks that are in this room today. They are here by no accident. And so, Lord, 
I am praying that right now, if anyone needs to come and make a decision to follow you, Christ, give them the boldness to do that now. Lord, if they need to make a decision, if they need to pray, Lord, I just pray no one would be embarrassed. And that, Lord, this invitation, we would actually do business with you. And we would leave here completely transformed and changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand and you do business with the Lord? We have some folks here who'd love to talk and pray with you now.